Hey, welcome to Catholic in America, and today our topic is Do Catholics Worship Mary? So we're going to talk about some of the objections to Catholic devotional practices around Mary, uh, Mary's role in the Bible, and how Mary can help you to be a better follower of Jesus. So if you want to find out if there is something about Mary, come back and watch. Welcome to Catholic in America. I'm Father Michael Nixon. I'm joined, as always, by Father Doug Martin and Father Tom Dillon. And we're asking the age-old question that probably got typed into your search bar on the internet. Why do Catholics worship Mary? So to start us off, let's maybe talk about some, some of, of, of those sorts of questions that people have asked, some challenges that people have, some difficulties that people have with Catholics when they see us in our devotion to Mary. So what are some of the stuff that you guys have heard? Right. Well, I mean, why is she so important? I mean, I think that really is the first question that someone asks when they hear about the Catholic Church. They see a statue, or they hear us praying a Hail Mary, or they see rosary beads. I mean, all these items that, that relate to Mary for, for Catholics. I mean, it, it seems like a natural question. Why is she so important? What's so big about Mary and her role in the Church, specifically the Catholic Church? And obviously, from many Protestants' perspective, uh, a lot of this looks like idolatry. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, a lot of this looks like, are you, uh, we have the, the very clearly the first commandment, uh, do not have any false gods above me. And what sometimes people perceive as Catholic devotion is this, in fact, idolatry in disguise, especially when you have little statues or you have all these different things that people are bowing down or lighting candles in front of. And so, like, are Catholics and are they idolaters? Yeah, right. and, and all of that can also seem very superstitious, too. Like, oh, I've yeah. got to have a particular Marian statue, or I've got, if I don't go and pray and light that candle, something bad's going to happen, or something good will happen because I do so. And, and so, and I've got to have that rosary with me. It's got to be in my pocket or wherever it is. And so, there, there, there tends to be kind of this, this at least feel of superstition uh, for someone, especially who doesn't understand the devotion itself. I would something that's come up a lot too is 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 a um, is just maybe people's experience of Catholics that they almost seem to favor Mary over Jesus. It's like yeah. I'm going to go talk to Mary because yeah. Jesus might yeah. be mad at me or God yeah. might be mad, so I'm going to talk to his mother. Um, you know, this sort of in, in a sense almost kind of like pitting them against each other, and that can definitely seem seem off putting to someone who's like you know Jesus is the sole mediator between God and man. Right, right. You know, <laughs> quoting like that scripture passage, yeah. which we believe is Catholics, we, yeah. we believe in, in the unique mediator uh, role of Jesus that we all participate in, which is why we can pray for each other. Sure. But still, that that putting Mary in that spot almost kind of like supersedes Jesus. and, and Almost that, like a yeah. fourth person of the Trinity. Right, yeah. right. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So so within that, too, the, the experience maybe of the average uh, non-Catholic Christian uh, who's maybe walked into a Catholic church, what is that like? You, you grew up non-Catholic, so yeah. what was that like the first time you walked into a Catholic church and saw a statue or saw um, incense or saw candles yeah. being burned yeah. Yeah. or people praying the rosary? Was that, uh, did confusing. you run? Confusing. Okay. Confusing, yeah. very confusing. Why here? Why, why would you have these things up? I mean, the, the, the Christian faith is really about Jesus and, and about God, and so it's, it's almost as if Mary is a distraction. It's almost mm. as if to have Mary in here, there's too many moving parts. There's too much going on. I mean, at the very least, it was that. It was confusing. Uh, at, at the most, it, it, again, it come off a of superstition. I mean, uh, not so much hero worship because 
um, maybe a little bit of that, but it came off, you know, very superstitious. Like if you pray this, these are the 15 things that Mary's promised for you or the, the 15 sorrows of Mary or whatever it may be. Um, it, it just come off as, as superstition. So it's very confusing as you're coming in as a non-Catholic, especially if you haven't been around that stuff, to see just the devotedness to it. That In one corner, you've got a statue of Jesus with the Sacred Heart. Of course, as a Protestant, I wouldn't have known that was a Sacred Heart, but I just saw a Jesus statue with a big heart on, out on his chest. And then on the other side, you've got one to Mary, and it almost seems equal. Mm. It almost seems like we're treating them the same on the same, you know, at, on the same par. And so, even more than just confusing, heretical. Yeah, it, it yeah. feels wrong. Why are we doing this? But the only thing that really, I mean, there's some churches that you go into, they don't have any, any images whatsoever, and they only have a cross. So you start adding images, and sp- particularly images of Mary you start to really kind of confuse things for, especially for someone who's a Protestant coming into it. Even though you may know something about Mary and know something about her role, or you may even see her in more advanced forms of, of Protestantism. You may see her as a, like you would the other saints, kind of as someone to emulate a little bit, but you would never put her on the same par as Jesus, much less a statue. And why does she have a statue? Why not Joseph? Why not David? You know, why not, why not, St. Peter, some of the other you know saints that you would think of, and even those would be distractions. But yeah, really, why why do you have Jesus in here? Why do you have Mary in here with Jesus? And almost yeah, that whole same level. I, I thought about this. Oftentimes, I've seen uh, Bible studies in evangelical churches or Protestant churches. You know, great women of the Bible. Yeah, and it's almost kind of like they're at times going at pains to avoid talking about Mary. Yeah. They'll talk about like you know, Deborah, you know, Esther, Ruth, Deborah, yeah. Esther, Ruth, all yeah. these different, yeah. all these yeah. different women, and, and yeah. beautiful. Praise God for Absolutely. for the, the beauty of their faith and their their courage. Um, all these sorts of things. Um, you know, oftentimes uh, interceding even even uh, through through four. You know, you know. Think of, of the women of the Bible who've 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 uh, stabbed the head of people who persecuted <laughs> jail. The, 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 yeah. the Jewish people. Yeah. Um, you know, there's something amazing about that. But then it almost kind of like when we get to Mary, because maybe there's a fear. I don't want to be too Catholic. I don't want to seem too Catholic, or that's just a Catholic thing. So we're gonna get just sort of relegate Mary to just Christmas. Right. You know, we'll, we'll talk about her a little bit around, right. around and, and that. She's just a person. Yeah, Mary, did you know? Yeah, yeah, Mary, Mary, did you know? It's the only time we talk about Mary is is singing that song. So, so yeah, within that too, even you know, there might be some Catholics who maybe um, have some, maybe some some struggles uh, within that too, or or, or don't necessarily have what we would call devotion to Mary. We we can unpack what some of these words mean. But where have you heard about that with Catholics who maybe feel a little standoffish or, or, or reticent to to try to step into? Praying the rosary or praying novenas or the fifteen yeah. promises or, yeah. or all, the same, all these things. the same particular year long prayer. Yeah, uh, yeah. Um, I would just say, like personally, growing up in the Catholic Church and uh, growing up, like my mom was very devoted, and I grew up in a, in a fairly devotional family. And uh, some of even the why uh, we should go to daily mass with my mom when I was a kid at times. And I remember that sometimes, like the the. The Catholic, the Catholic women in the parish would sometimes be so in love with Mary that I found it to be a little bit distracting as well. Yeah, and this, yeah. this was actually as a Catholic kid, like seven, eight years old. Yeah. I'm just like, why is, why are we talking about Mary so much? And like, can sometimes actually be really pushy. <laughs> like, yeah. and like I sometimes felt like the rosary and sometimes devotional practices were like being shoved down my throat. Um, so I can actually kind of relate to that also that experience. I just think, oh, okay, I like, I know Mary's mother Mary, and she's the mother of God, and she's the mother of Jesus, and it's really important, but. 
Like, where is, and that's actually, Pope Francis recently had a, uh, a quote on this where he, uh, he said that sometimes there's a well, and well-intentioned Catholics sometimes, uh, out of profound love, sometimes exaggerate. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I think that that's been the, also the experience of sometimes of, of even Catholics in, the, in our faith is that there's been sometimes this, this profound love expressed for Mary, but it has sometimes been, uh, been pushed. Where, where popular piety is then no longer popular piety in the sense that there's a level of freedom, but it kind of be forced that you have to do this. And if you don't do this popular piety, if you don't pray the rosary, if you don't do this particular devotional, that you are somehow uh, not fully Catholic. Hmm. Yeah. Or, that you're, or yeah. that you're a bad Catholic if you don't do certain, certain uh, devotionals or popular pieties. Yeah. So, so it comes back to the question then that we started with, why do Catholics worship Mary? So if someone asks you that question, what, 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 what's your response right off the bat? And then we'll dive into, yeah. into what the Bible says about this too. Yeah, I think that's a, a, a very straightforward question that has somewhat of a nuanced answer to it. And, and so, I mean, if you, want to, if you want to go to the etymology of the word worship, I mean, we're, we're supposed to give everyone what they're worth. I mean, it, you know, it's really where the word came from is worship. And so to a certain extent, if you, if you wanted to press on us hard and say, do you worship Mary? You could say, we do give her what she's worth and what she's due, which is the mother of God and all the titles that, that Mary holds in, in Scripture. But if you mean by worship that we actually give to her what we would give to God, then we don't. And, and that's a very right. important yeah. distinction to make because I think what happens particularly in, in, in non-Catholic churches is, is that prayer and music are the ways that they worship. And so when you hear songs about Mary mm. or you hear prayer to Mary, it's automatically associated with worship oh, because point. that is that. what worship is for them. And right. so you automatically have this assumption that you're worshiping them because you're doing the same thing that you would do to God. When in actuality, when we sing songs here on earth about very important people like George Washington or Father Abraham from the Old Testament or you know all these things, we, we don't see it as worship in that way. And so it, it's almost... It's Yankee almost, Doodle Dandy. Yankee Doodle Dandy. <laughs> <laughs> really important figures. Well, yeah. all, uh, but, but it's... it's it's always a little, well, you got Joe DiMaggio and uh, uh, what Barbara Streisand, that's the new, you know, but, uh, but you know, you've got um, th this idea that, that because we're singing about them, that there's something going on inside the context of itself, inside of a church, that all of a sudden we're given to Mary what we're really only supposed to be given to God. Yeah. And that's not, that's not exactly the way things work. Well, in, in the Greek, I think it's, it's more clear in the Greek, the Catholic perspective, which obviously the early language of the church was Greek. Yeah. Uh, most of the Gospels and the letters of the New Testament were predominantly written in Greek. So like in the Greek, you have two words, which are the word worship, which we only have in English, the one. Right. So we have worship, but in Greek, there's latreia and there's dulia. So latreia is the worship which is due to God and God alone. So in the ancient Greek world, it was, the, it was the worship that you'd give to the gods, such as burning incense. Right, of which was an act of worship, um, which is not really something we really even we really think about doing today is burning incense. But that was a predominant act of worship where you burn something and offer it a sacrifice. So that latreia, so the worship of the gods, or in the Greek, in the Hebrew sense, the worship of God alone, is something which is regulated to God. Versus dulia, was the honor which you gave to your Olympians. Like the crown of laurel leaves was a type of worship in the ancient Greek games, like at the Olympics, where you place the crown on their heads, which is also where we have the crowning of Mary. Right, during, right, right. during the month of May, we have the crowning of Mary where we crown her. We also see that in the biblical reference to Revelation, the crowning with the stars, right. that God gives Mary honor. Hmm. God gives her 
dulia, which is the honor which you give to people of excellence. And so like when you honor people with excellence, there was also attributing factors or you had like these different practices or devotionals where you gave people honor for the excellence of their way of life, for the excellence like the Olympian who was the strongest man got the crown of leaves and there you honored them. So in that same sense, like we, in the Greek, it was in the Greek world, which is actually in the Greek world, which was a very spiritual, like that's what people don't realize, especially in our more secular times today, as we become more secular, more materialistic, more uh, just married to the empirical method, like we have lost kind of the sense of the sacred and the sense of, of the mystical and the spiritual, mm. but the Greeks were very mystical and very spiritual. And it's so like this, the nuance between the worship of excellence or the or trying to emulate excellence versus the worship which you gave to your primary deity um, was two very different things. Right. And actually even the there was different cultic practices associated with the with the worship of hero cults yeah. like Hercules versus the worship of the gods. Yeah, absolutely. And, and so like and, and to to mix those things is is Oh yeah is the Greeks, the Greeks would not have, so I, I yeah. would say then for for the, the in the simple answer to the question, yeah. as most people understand worship nowadays in the English language, which comes from that word as you said, worship. Right. Um, um, but again, whatever the etymology, what we give to right. God alone, we do not give to Mary. So in Correct. that sense, we do not worship Mary. We we don't give to her um, um, latria, as as you said, you know, which is which is the reverence, the veneration. sacrificial veneration to to God, but we do reverence her as as the person closest to Jesus. So we do give her not just dulia, but hyperdulia, as, mm -hmm. as as the Greeks would say. Yeah. This 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 she has a unique role in, that God chose, that God ordained in the salvation of the world, and, and, and we'll dive into that a little bit. So first and foremost. As you understand it, Catholics don't worship Mary. <laughs> no, do but but I, I, this is actually something which I've had, this, this little thing I've, I've found useful, especially in, uh, with the high school, with the work with high schoolers, uh, some of whom are pro coming from Protestant backgrounds. And I, and I get it all, oftentimes, oh, Catholics, you worship Mary, or the same thing in RCAA. I'm like, well, we worship God and God alone. But by the fourth commandment, we honor our mother. There you go. Mm -hmm. And so like that notion of honoring is very important because we're not just called to honor God and God alone. We also honor by the fourth commandment. We honor those figures of authority. We honor the people who are placed above us as mother and father. And so like in that notion, it's like, <laughs> if when I have sometimes people accuse me of breaking the first commandment, I'm like, well, well, you move, let's make sure that you're not breaking the fourth. Yeah, <laughs> right. Because yeah. on the cross, it's very clear in John chapter 19, Jesus gave Mary to the apostles, specifically through John, said the here beloved is your disciple. Yeah. yeah. So if you're a beloved disciple, disciple, you're a Jesus, beloved disciple. Yeah. any beloved disciple yeah. looks to Mary as mm -hmm. mother. Mm -hmm. And so that's where we also, as a Catholic, Catholic identity, is, is following also the fourth commandment, which is honoring our mother. I think about that. I've, I've heard too, like the, the breakdown of, of in that word to honor your father and mother, it's the same word to, as to glorify. Yeah. So if we think of, if we're following Jesus, that Jesus is a faithful son of Mary, um, you know that that, that he's he's you know, that's his mother. That yeah. he not he, he fulfills the law perfectly. So he not only honors, he glorifies. And so when we do that same thing, not to the detriment of Jesus, not to the detriment of of, of the Trinity, um, you know, strange practices notwithstanding. Yeah. Uh, but you know, for the sake of recognizing what God has done. And so maybe we can jump into a little bit, kind of the the, well, the biblical but, understanding of, yeah. of this too. But you, you but before something. we do that, I mean, yeah. I mean but, but we do that all the time, though, as far as like um, looking to the work that God has done in someone's life. I mean, we, we, talk, mm. we call people 
fathers of the faith. We, 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 we talk about how important they were in the life of the church. We, we talk about, specifically, we go back to the Old Testament. We talk about in the New Testament. We talk about in the history of the church. Even if you're a non-Catholic, there's important figures in your denomination mm. that are held up above the rest of us. And, and are, are considered to be important people, and, and we worthy, hear about worthy, them. Of, worthy of emulation. Worthy of emulation. I mean, we, we hear about their life, the life they lived, the stand they took, whatever it may be. And so, so we all do this to a certain extent. Now, okay, granted, there's times where there are Catholics who may go overboard with this, but I mean, you could say that there's sometimes that, that non-Catholics go overboard with it too. And so, I, I, you know, I don't think it's fair to always, you know, to put it in this way. And true, we would never say that they were worshipped the person that they were, but are they putting too much importance on a particular person? It's, it's quite possible yeah. that that and, could and, be the case. And I would say that often yeah. oftentimes happens. So if we're going yeah. to, in a sense, society struggles with that, with, with putting people, we should do it the way God has ordained it, which is why I Correct. think, and this is maybe the challenge for this episode for those who are not Catholic or struggling yeah. in relationship with Mary, we need to do what God has told us to do. Right. And so when we have a devotion to Mary, we're doing what God has told us to do, what has been revealed by Scripture. So this isn't yes. a Catholic add-on to Christianity. No. This isn't that that this is intrinsic to what we believe is having this having this this relationship with Mary because because God comes to this world in and through Mary. And it's and it's that's how he, that's it. There's yeah. no like he could have done it some other way. This yeah. is how God saved the world is yeah. in and through Mary's yes. So when we talk about having um uh, having a, a relationship with her. Uh, we talk about uh, asking for her intercession, what we would say praying to her, not yeah. worshiping her in, in the right. sense of what we give to God alone, but praying to her as one who is in, in heaven who, who in turn prays for us. And yeah. it's it, it's essential. So yeah. especially I'll, I'll, since in the book of James, it's a good thing that we ask for the intercession of those around us to ask for people to pray for us. And James actually uses in the old language. I remember in the old language, which is the prayer of a righteous man availeth much. In other words, the more righteous someone is, mm. the more the more holy they are. It means that they're closer to God. It doesn't mean that they've gained favors from Him because they've been really good. And God's like, okay, you've been pretty good. I'll listen to you. But because you're closer to His heart, you're closer in line to what he to what he's thinking to what he's revealing to us and so when we when we ask for intercessions from each other you normally don't go to someone who's struggling with the same thing you are or struggling even worse you usually go to someone that you trust you don't, you don't ask you, you don't ask atheists and agnostics to pray for you right you don't yeah you don't not normally <laughs> not. and so and so in the same way when we're asking for prayers when we're when we're asking for intercession from those who are in heaven. Well, I mean, there's no one who's who's holy like they are except God himself. And then no one's closer to God than those saints who are in heaven with him. So when we ask for their intercession, not only is it not a bad thing, it's a good thing, especially because we're taught in Hebrews that they're alive and watching us and knowing what we're doing, cheering for us even. Well, it's so. also that notion of where two or more gather in my name, there I am. Yeah. And if I'm in the privacy, also Jesus says, go to your own room, pray in, your, pray in, this, in the quiet. But we know that when we pray, especially when we pray with the whole of the church, the, the church which is mm. here on earth. Yeah. So like we can pray and we prayed before yeah. our, uh, our episodes today. Yeah. And like that's where our prayer, when we come together, this is pleasing to God. Not because God needs to know. God doesn't, like our prayers don't inform God of what, right. Right. what he doesn't know. Yeah. What are you guys like, God do knows today? the secret yeah. workings of our hearts and minds. God doesn't need more information, but the prayer of people coming together is pleasing to God. It's a fragrant offering. It's a fragrant incense, which God finds pleased because it shows the unity of hearts together in right. a mutually aligned goals. Yeah. And so like we also recognize as St. Paul says that, that those who have died are asleep in Christ. Yeah. 
and that those who are died are asleep and that they are with our Lord. And therefore, when we pray with the people who have passed into eternity, they, they also pray with us. And this is also pleasing because it shows mm -hmm. the unity of the church, which transcends space and time, which transcends death. Absolutely. And like when we ask, especially the saints who are with God to pray with us, and that's usually in my prayers when I'm praying with people, I, I, yeah. I try to be, I try because I know how the misperceptions happen. I oftentimes in my prayer with people, I'm like, and we invite Mary, Mary, will you pray with us in this moment yeah. and bring our prayers and intercessions before your son? Yeah. Because Mary is not the source of grace, yeah. but she has a very clear access point to the source of grace, more so than yeah. us who are blinded right. by spiritual blindness. Like Absolutely. Mary's not blinded in that no. way. Getting into language also is, is this understanding of pray. Do you pray too? And I think some people struggle with that because, again, like you said, with most people, their understanding of a worship song or yeah. of, you know. Pray and worship are almost synonymous yeah, in yeah. these areas um, So do you pray yeah. to Mary? And again, not in the way that we pray to God. I think that's Correct. important to say when we say, but but pray as 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 a English as an English term means like yeah, yeah you know to you know speak, pray tell. Petition. There's a a, mm -hmm. a desire. I'm I'm eliciting a response from you mm -hmm. to you know to 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 speak something over me. So in English, it's it's more a, a word of reverence used for an important person rather than something I only well, pray to God. You know, well, so I if I say I need to do something, yeah, right, right. we yeah. send that to each other. What yeah. I also think is interesting, which I have not considered this before, but the fact that, like, from from a Catholic perspective, the highest point of adoration is when we are on our knees looking at the Eucharist. Yeah. Like for us, like music is great. That's fine, and praise and singing is also a great thing. But these, that's incidental to our primary focus as Catholics. And so that might be a, a, a disjoint between like the Catholic world and maybe the Protestant perspective. Right. Is like from us, the highest point of worship is not praise and worship. It's not, it's not the music or even the preaching and things like that. It's right. that when we are down on our knees mm -hmm. and we are adoring the Eucharist, like in, yeah. that, in that moment of the mass, the pinnacle and summit, as the Eucharist being like for Latria. us, Latria. yeah, that is yeah. that yeah. is the Latria. moment of lottery. I would never offer that yeah. to Mary. Absolutely no. not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like never. No. Like, and nor is, would she want it. No, she would. No, yeah, she would. She, she beat yeah. me over the head with the broom. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Excellent. So we're gonna when we get back from the break, we're gonna talk a little bit about sort of the biblical foundations for this for Mary as an intercessor um, for uh, our prayers for Mary's intercession. Um, you know that that this relationship that we're called to have Mary and, and how that can really help us in our walk with Jesus. So we're gonna take a quick break. We'll be right back with Catholic in America. Hey guys, thanks for checking out Catholic in America. I'm Father Michael Nixon, and I like to party. <laughs> <laughs> and I am Father Tom Dillon, uh, priest here in the Diocese of Pensacola, Tallahassee. I think I have the longest hair in the, probably the state, and uh, I too like to party. I like whiskey and cigars. Father Doug Martin. I'm also a priest here in the Diocese of Pensacola, Tallahassee, and I'm married and roll tide. Oh my goodness. Uh, yes, yeah. sir. <laughs> I was okay with the being married part, but roll tide thing. <laughs> in Catholic in America, we engage the intersection between faith and culture. Tune in every week because no topic is out of bounds. We want to thank you so much for supporting this show by watching it, by liking, sharing, and subscribing. How else can they support the show? You can also become a patron on Patreon and support us financially. So if you support us, there's all kinds of swag. There's t-shirts, there's coffee mugs, or maybe bumper stickers. I don't know. Maybe we could come up with a wig from Father Tom. <laughs> Father Tom wig would go, go a long way. So thanks for your support. God bless y'all. And check us out next time on Catholic in America. Hey guys, welcome back to Catholic in America. We are talking about why Catholics worship Mary. 
And so we ask if you would please like, share, and subscribe this content so that others can see it and hear the gospel themselves. And if you would, ring that little bell down there if you're on YouTube. That way uh, more people will see it. So guys, diving into, we've talked a little bit about the nature of, of worship, uh, the difference between what we give to God and what we give to creatures um, you know, who are, are worthy of, of emulation and respect and um, uh, honor, absolutely. Uh, Mary being kind of the, the, the first of those. Um, but this, this, the foundations for this are found in the Bible. And again, that, that's why it's, I think it's important for us to recognize that the way that we honor people has to be the way that God has told us to. And if there are people that God has told us to honor that have a special role in, in this, this working out of grace, then we need to, to pay attention to that. So we're going to dive in a little bit into the, the Gospel of John today. There are so many examples throughout Scripture, and we can do, do more episodes where we, where we dive deeper into that. But I want to start with uh, John chapter 2, which is the wedding feast at Cana. And it's, it's, it's so powerful, Jesus' first miracle. It's, it happens on, on, on the eighth day after the, yeah. of the new creation. Yeah. It's, it, all these things are leading to it. Jesus as the, the, the bridegroom and the bride, that's a motif that goes throughout John's gospel as well. So um, within the scene, Jesus and his disciples are, are there at the wedding. And what does this have to tell us about Mary and her roles as intercessor, especially? Well, uh, one, Mary obviously comes at the wedding feast of Cana and they say that they're out of wine. And it's Mary who brings this intercession, brings this prayer, brings this request to Jesus. Uh, what's interesting about J- Jesus' response is that he calls her a woman. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which seems, on the surface level, to be slightly rude. Obviously, obviously it's, yeah. it's completely antithetical if you understand who Jesus is. Jesus cannot be being rude or disrespectful to Particularly his mother. Particularly to his mother. Because exactly. then he'd be yeah. breaking the fourth commandment. And it right. says very clearly elsewhere that Jesus honored, respected, and obeyed Mary and Joseph throughout his life. So, so it's not Jesus being rude. No, Jesus right. not Jesus not yeah, being rude. If you've rude. ever heard that before, it's just an incorrect no. on on the face. Okay. The reason why when he refers to her as woman, like in, in the Gospel of John as a whole, like John's Gospel is the most pregnant gospel in terms of signs and symbolism. So he calls every woman. He doesn't waste a moment. No, waste every a single word. But yeah. you have this, but he'll also call her woman at another moment in the gospel. So Jesus calls Mary woman, very clearly woman twice. And he starts at the very beginning of his ministry, his first miracle, which is at Cana, where mm. he says, woman, what business of this is mine? Like, what, what business? What is, what is, why are you here? Mm. Then the second time that he will refer to her once again as woman is most clearly not in a way in which he's being any type of rude, but it's when he says, woman, behold your son. Because in these two bookends, where you'll find that Mary shows up in his first miracle, and he, she shows up at the final miracle, which is on the cross. Hmm. Which is also where you have six jars of water, and that's like imperfection, because six is not a good number. But right. that's where like the seventh jar is filled out from Jesus' side, as his lance pierces his side, and he has the seventh jar of wine, yeah. which is the, yeah. the signs of the baptism and of Eucharist. But in that, you'll find Mary being called woman at both points, because Jesus is making a very significant point. He's referring to Mary as Eve. As Eve, do you know your place? Mm. Are you going to try to lead me and tell me what to do? Which is what Eve had done in the Garden of Eden. She had led Adam into sin and told him what to do, right? As opposed to knowing her beautiful role, not a role of submission and of being uh, subjected to a man who's lording his authority over her, but actually one who supports and that's the true role of Eve, which is where you'll find Mary at the foot of the cross supporting Jesus upon the cross as she's experiencing a similar crucifixion, an emotional and spiritual mm. crucifixion, as she is there supporting 
Christ upon the cross, holding up his arms figuratively, as he then says, woman, behold your son, and then to John the perfect disciple, or John the beloved disciple, behold your mother. And in this giving, mm -hmm. where John is then, actually that's where you find that John was with Jesus for three years. John then was with Mary for probably about 30. Yeah. So which is why like I see in the Gospel of John like a very Marian theme throughout the whole Gospel because also, it says he took from that moment yeah, on. He she took, lived, he she took lived her into, her, her, into her, her home, home. Right. which again, the home is not just his literal home. It's also took her into his own heart. Mm. Right. He accepted Mary into his heart and took care of her from his heart. As his mother. I Absolutely. Mean, yeah. Yeah. So, so if you're a beloved disciple of Jesus, you receive Mary as your mother. So I, I want I want to get yeah. back to this because because I love that connection you made. Um, of of these six stone jars, and then the yeah. seventh, in a sense, is filled in John, in John nineteen on Jesus' death on the cross. But these that Jesus makes a connection as Mary says, "They have no wine." It's very simple. She points out the lack, and I think that's a great image mm -hmm. for what Mary does in heaven as yep. as an intercessor, um, which we're called to be intercessors for each other. We participate, in, and we don't you know uh, supplant Jesus, who right. is the, the 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 foundational soul mediator between God and man. When we intercede for one another, that means we are in Christ. We are yeah. praying with and for each other. So Mary does that in a unique and particular way. And we see it right here at the beginning. She says, it points out the lack for, for this bride and groom. They have no wine. And, right. and it's such like an amazing thing because for us, we think of not having wine as like, a, like an inconvenience. Yeah. Know, but for them, this is wine yeah. is a sign of, 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 of grace of joy, of God's presence. The, when the Messiah comes, there's an overabundance of wine. So for them as a married couple, at the beginning of their life together, to run out of wine, this is failure, right. this is shame. And Mary points that out to Jesus. And not, it begins not to, to mention the embarrassment of not having yeah. it either for yeah. the guests, for everyone else to enjoy, yeah. But it's, all, but it's also like a marriage which starts off beautiful and sweet, and then over time it sours. Right, yeah. And because of impurities, the, the marriage after 20, 30 years, like sometimes people are not as in love as they were on the day of their marriage. That's why Jesus is reversing this whole uh, consequence of sin, which poisons marriage and poisons love. So, so within that, then, so Mary's role as intercessor, and I, I find I find that really a, a beautiful just moment, but also too fulfilling this role. We, we don't read the Old Testament without looking ahead to the New Testament. The Old Testament is fulfilled in the New Testament, and just as Saint Paul will go to great pains throughout Romans, especially to un, for us to understand Jesus as the new Adam. Right. Then Mary fulfills that role. Mary, as the church, really, you know, is the new yeah. Eve, um, the one who doesn't stand, who doesn't, you know, uh, tear Adam away from his mission, um, but the one who 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 opens Adam up to his mission, who supports him within that, and also stands at the foot of the cross. I, I love that scene, yeah. uh, and we'll go to it in John chapter nineteen as well. Um, that Mary, as this new Eve, now receives. All of her children, which is us, right. Right, right, right at the fall in in Genesis, it says Mary, Eve became the mother of all the living. Yeah. And after their fall, which is interesting because they're all they're all dying, you know, yeah. like really. But yeah. but so Mary truly becomes the mother of all the living at, at another tree, the tree um, of, of of the cross, and becomes that intercessor and that right. mother for us as well. Right. And and then also in this passage, another thing that could seem rude is is that. After Jesus, you know, says to Mary, you know, woman, what is this between me and you? Mary goes off and tells him, all right, do what he says. So it's almost like she's like, yeah, don't don't pay attention to him. He'll do what I tell him to because, because you know, I'm his mother or whatever. No, it was, it was, you know, Mary inviting them into the will of the Son. Amen. Into the will Absolutely. of the Savior. And so not only was this not a moment of... of disagreement between them or, or a bad moment between them. It's a loving moment. And it's a moment also of where Mary did know. This is a moment of where Mary may not understood well, completely. Well, but the other thing is the, the being other invited into this 
huge moment. Absolutely, but the other yeah. connotation in the words of Jesus, the possible connotation, and this is reading below the surface sure. in the spiritual interpretation of scripture, which is also that Jesus is making her aware of the cost that this is going to cost right. her. It, Mom, if you start this now, I'll fulfill your request, but a sword, going back to what had been yeah. prophesied during the temple, a sword is going to pierce your heart because you're going to start mm -hmm. my ministry and then I'm going to die. Are right. you ready? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And this is my hour. Like this my, is my yeah, like this is not my. It's not yet my hour. Right. If you start this, it's about to be my hour. And there's the the connotation. Like, you sure right. you want this? I'm ready. Right. Are and you? I, I, I love that. She understands the moment. I yeah. love that too because that makes a connection uh, when the annunciation happens. Uh, when the angel Gabriel sent from God asked Mary to be the mother of God's son. Mary receives the, the is the first person to receive. First human person to receive the revelation of the Trinity, yeah. God the Father, God the Son, by the power of the Holy Spirit, God the Holy Spirit. And she says, let it be done unto me according to, to your word. This fiat, you know, let it be done. And essentially, the last words she speaks in Scripture is what we just, where she says, do whatever he tells you. Yep. In a sense, she kind of echoes that, where I, I love that insight that, mm -hmm. that Jesus has said, like, this is what it's going to cost. You know, yep. the, the hour, once a ball don't gets rolling. Build, don't build a kingdom without first counting the cost. Yeah, that's right. And Mary, Mary accepts that and then points out to, to, the, the, you know, to, to the servers yeah. to do whatever he tells you. And yeah. I love that, that those are the last words Mary speaks in the Bible. Yeah. Going, um, going back, to the, going back yeah. to the Old Testament, though, and this is also a very interesting for that role of intercessor. If you go back to the Old Testament and to King David, remembering that Jesus is from the line of David and that notion of the Davidic king, uh, in David's kingdom, David had uh, a plethora of wives. He had yeah. a whole harem of wives, which is why during the reign of David, David's queen was not one of his wives because then he would have to choose and that would be a pretty bad idea. No, in, in the Davidic kingdom, the role of queen was not to the wife, but was to the mother. Which is why in the book of uh, Samuel, or Second Samuel, and then going into the book of Kings, you'll find that when David dies, Bathsheba, who was David's wife, becomes queen mother. Which because is why, she's the mother because of she's the mother of Solomon. Solomon. You might right. have multiple yep. wives, and Solomon ended up having what three hundred wives, seven hundred yeah. concubines. But yeah. Solomon has oh all these gosh. wives, but you only, yeah, you only have one mother. <laughs> yeah, which is why during the reign, that was the Davidic model. And Jesus being the Davidic king, he has the same model. Just as David had 12 leaders, one of mm -hmm. whom was a, the high steward, he also will have the same model with the queen mother being his mother because he does listen to. Now, it's just interesting in that not all of Bathsheba's intercessions uh, with Solomon go well for the person who's making the petition. Right. One, yeah. One but, that, but that was... Yeah. The queen yeah. mother's role in the old Davidic kingdom was the, the Gebi Ra is, yeah. is the name of it, yeah, right? Was yeah. the role of yeah. intercessor, the so one who made a, that, a plea on behalf of others. So much said that when she wanted to come see Solomon, he told him, "Bring a throne for her to come and speak to me," and she had to sit on a throne to, to talk with him. So it was not, yeah, it's very much so. The queen mother. And I think that that's an, again we're we're divorced from that. Our only notions yeah. of kings and stuff are the kings and queens of England. Right. And so when we, we talk about the queen mother, <laughs> when we talk about this, that that when we talk about Jesus as the king, who is his queen would be not would be his mother, which is a, right. a very strange thing for us. But if yeah. he's the, if he's in the but Davidic, his bride is the whole church. The bride's the church, right? Correct. And and the, and the queen, the one that makes intercession, the one that that sits in a throne at his right hand, the, the you know, church is is too. is, is mm -hmm. the uh, is is the queen mother. So in a sense, when we talk about these things. Mary is queen. You yeah. know, again, I've I've heard people hear that they hear that title, Mary. You know, there's the the, the queen of the universe shrine, queen Orlando. That's a, that's a big universe. one, and they think, oh gosh, you know, that Mary is, is some sort of rival to him. It's like no, that she's put put in that place. She's 
put on that throne, as Solomon did for his queen, queen mother Bathsheba, as the intercessor for the people. Right. That she has a particular role within that, that she, she's honored by, and by you'll her find son. that you'll find that throne described in the book of Revelation, chapter right. 12. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Exactly. So maybe we could we could just yeah. we could just go go to that real quick. Well, actually, let's let's just just a quick word on on uh, on John chapter nineteen because this scene is so important. This is the, the the culmination of Jesus's life. These are some of the last words that Jesus speaks, and he says it to his uh, to his beloved disciple, and he says it to Mary. And and that word that he says, see, seeing the disciple that he loved, he says, "Behold, your mother." And he says to his mother, says, behold your son. And from that hour, as we said, John takes her into his home. So what, what does that mean for us? If we want to be with Jesus. We want to be the beloved disciple. John invites us into that spot. Right. He's not named anymore at that point in the right. gospel. So for us as a disciple of Jesus, what does it mean to take Mary into our homes? Well, well if I can say first about this passage, this was a passage that was very important in my conversion. This was a passage that was very key to me becoming Catholic and specifically for me seeing the role of Mary, her, you know, for, for the role of Mary that, that Jesus had for her. Because as we were saying earlier, the, the gospel of John is pregnant with, with imagery and that he doesn't waste a single word, a single phrase. And this was the passage that I would bring up to all, like when I was in Protestant seminary, I would bring up to all my Protestant friends, I'd bring this passage up and say, why did Jesus do this? Hmm. Why did he, why, why this production? And because the meaning is so significant in John for every single thing, this isn't just a sidebar. This isn't something that John just mentions, oh, by the way, you know, he gave his mother to me. By the way, I, I want to make sure mom's taken care no, of. John, sure you take care, care of her. Care. Exactly. <laughs> this, isn't, this isn't a small moment. And I think we can, we can miss big moments like this in Scripture because we're just kind of reading them and seeing, oh, Jesus is taking care of some house issues and making sure this is all handled. And it's like, no, 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 no. This is a very big and pivotal moment. The, the two points that we're pointing to here are not arbitrary. This isn't something that we're just coming up with because we're Catholic. We really want to prove that Mary is who she is. This is where it's coming from. This is who. This is where we're seeing it at. Is that such a pivotal moment? He would give his mother to to you know this this man who's been following him, and not to if he had brothers and sisters, which is a topic for another show. We don't believe that as Catholics, but that he would not give him give her to a family member, a close family member, but would give her to John. And so why? Giving her to John, and I think that's your question yeah, you're asking absolutely. us now. So, absolutely, I think yeah. it's also relevant <laughs> to make the make the point. Like our beliefs in Mary uh, make our faith harder. <laughs> like it, it make it be so much easier to not have Mary in the picture, to not have it. But at the same point, because it'd be straightforward, simple. Like I wouldn't have to go through the whole rigmarole of like explaining the depth. But at the same time, it would flatten the depth, especially the mystical depth, yeah. like the beautiful mystical apocalyptic mystical depth of our faith like it's it's the relationship between male and female the relationship between humanity and god it's this deep rich mm. mystical depth which is found specifically in the relationship between mary as a template for the church and between christ as god and so like it's the it's the mysticism which is oftentimes it's not easily seen on the surface level but it is there it is there on the surface if you read yeah. The read it, it's there, and then there's the depth. But that's why I'm saying, like, the depth of the Catholic faith beliefs on Mary, like, it makes it harder to evangelize yeah. because there's so much, but it also makes it so much so much rich, mm, so much yeah, more rich. Very much so. See, I, I would I would disagree. Yeah. I, I think I think that actually, because I see it from the other other side, not like the mystical depths to it, but what our devotion, understanding of Mary forces us 
to understand that God really became man. Yeah. Yes. Well, it's true. Because yeah, when we often, oftentimes people try to set Mary off to the side because it's really uncomfortable yeah. to think, you know, to think that God actually became man. He actually, for nine months, yeah. was fed by her body, was right. fed after he was born, was fed at her breast. Mm-hmm. That there's something, in a sense, that kind of like, you, you know, is, 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 diff- is, yeah. is difficult for us to, yeah. that he needed somebody. Yeah. Like, but that's the incarnation. That's right. that's that's Catholicism. That's Christianity. That's our faith. I heard this described. A, a professor we had in seminary used to say this: that if Mary, because we say Mary is the mother of God, not yeah. that she created the divinity out of her, yeah. but the one that was born of Mary is true God and, yeah. and true man. You can't separate its divinity and humanity. So the right. one who's born of Mary is God. So we say Mary is the mother of God. It's a, it's a statement about who Jesus is. But our professor would say if Mary is not the mother of God, if she's just the mother of. of of Jesus or the mother of Christ right. or something, yeah, however yeah. we want to want to put it. If Mary's not the mother of God, then you are not saved. Yeah. And I, and, and that's one of those things that you say to people is like, how dare you? You know, it's, yeah. it sounds blasphemous, but what it, what it truly is saying, it's something about, we're saying everything we say about Mary is because of what we believe about Jesus. Right. He's not really human if she's not his mother. Abs- absolutely. She, so he just appeared to be human. Correct. He just appeared to be. And, and so in a sense, if that's the case, then the, the guy who died on the cross was just appearing to be human. It doesn't really matter. Just, just pretending to be God. Said, yeah. But if this is true God and true man, then, then this relationship with Mary is that close yeah. That the blood that Jesus, again, this sounds blasphemous, the blood that Jesus shed on the cross by which we are saved in his humanity, he receives that blood from Mary. Yep. Mm-hmm. Like that, this is, this is crazy. So again, yeah. this isn't, this isn't so making Mary God or, 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 or a fourth person of the blessed Trinity, but it is saying how essential her role is. So if you want to get close to Jesus, whether you like it or not, it's, it's, it's going to be involving Mary. Yes. There's, there's, no, there's, there's no way. God has set it up yeah. so we can't get close to Jesus without the incarnation, right. which happens in and through Mary. Right, right. Yeah, I was once asked uh, one time, what, you know, when, I, when I came into the church, I was asked, am I only going to talk about Mary or am I going to talk about Jesus with my children as well? And I would tell them, you know, there's no use in me talking about Mary if I'm not going to talk about Jesus. But there's something about it that I really do have to talk about Mary if I am going to talk mm-hmm. about Jesus, mm-hmm. as you're saying. They're, they're, they're key and they're integral to each other only because of the role that Mary played in Jesus' life, being his mother and being the one who raised him. It's important to make a distinction there, to recognize that we don't um, treat Mary like God. We don't worship her in the way we talk about right. worshiping God or pray, even pray to her in the way that we pray to God. Right. But we do honor her. We do glorify her according to what Jesus did um, with, with fulfilling the fourth commandment. Right. And we do have a relationship. She's been given to us. She who is that great intercessor who points out our lack and our need. They have no right. wine. Right. Uh, as, if we're a beloved disciple of Jesus, that means that Mary is our mother. Well, right. and that's the heart of Mary is she is the queen of the apostles, queen of disciples. Because, yeah. I mean, because you can't make a valid point. I think that okay, well, Jesus was fully God. I can't be. I can't be Jesus. <laughs> Correct. You can't. Like none of us are the Savior. None of us are right. Jesus. And that's right. But you can be just like Mary, because yeah. everything which is true of Mary is also potentially true of us. And just right. as a consequence of actually what you're saying is that everything that we believe about Jesus leads us to a belief and an understanding of Mary. But consequently, as a, children of Mary, like anything which is also true of Mary is in some fashion or form potentially true of ourselves. Yeah. Even Theotokos, which is Mary, the mother of God. Mm-hmm. Like God obviously bearer. we will never yeah. become the mother of God, but we do become Christ bearers. We do become yeah. God bearers every time we receive the Eucharist because literally in our bodies, yeah. 
we believe as Catholics that we carry the physical presence of Christ within our bodies mm. and we become Christ bearers. And so like we share in Mary's role as Theotokos, as mother of God, yeah. every time that we accept Christ into ourselves in a physical yeah. and real way in the Eucharist. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's what makes really this passage, going back to what your question was about uh, about John 19, so important is, is you know, the role really, what, where we see ourselves as church, where we see ourselves as disciple in this passage of being John, I mean, of being Mary, of, of seeing Jesus on the cross and having actually Mary given to us as a, as a true disciple, a beloved disciple, because John calls himself that here. He doesn't say, I, John, was given Mary. He says, no, beloved disciple, you know, yeah. behold your mother. And so really is, is a son, of, is, is, a, is a brother of Jesus, as a son of God, mm. as a disciple as St. John was, we're receiving our mother as well. Just as Jesus has given his mother to John, she, he has given his mother to us. The church is, is sons and daughters. I love it. So this might be challenging for some people who are not Catholic, who uh, maybe are strong Christians and they're hearing this and, and, and they, they, uh, they've never thought about you know, talking to Mary. They've never thought about Mary interceding for us um, from heaven. They maybe never read Revelation 12 in, right. in, in that light too. So what would be a good first step for someone? If they want to get closer to Jesus and by recognizing the vital role of Mary, what, what, what is one, one thing that they can do? What I would tell them is, is to, to kind of study this a little bit more and to give it a little bit of a chance. And I don't mean give it a little bit of a chance and start praying to Mary. I mean, you know, I wish you would ask for her intercession, but I know that's a huge jump and a huge leap. So, so why not go back and study these passages of Scripture that we've quoted from and we've done here? I mean, you know, first of all, don't take our word for it. I mean, we're, you know, we, we have a certain authority because we're priests, but not over someone who's not Catholic at all. Mm-hmm. And so why not go back and look at these things, see if these things are true. Think, are true. Study for yourself, as St. Paul told the Bereans, study for yourself. See what you see in Scripture. See what you see. Read some of the early fathers and how they viewed these things. Read commentaries. I mean, there's all there's all sorts of places you can go to kind of get some knowledge of this and to try and understand what we're actually saying rather than, you know, just fighting it and saying, no, you're wrong and, and throwing it to the side. So why are they saying this? Because we're not talking about just three guys who are sitting here on a TV screen saying these things. This is you know, the force of the Catholic Church and really even of the Eastern Catholics, the Eastern Orthodox, all of us see it this way. All of us have a, a very developed Martin Luther had a devotion to Mary as well. John so, Calvin so, did yeah, as well. So, 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 there's, so, so there's something to it. And, and so to, to see the force of it, to hear the, you know, to, to at least give it a hearing, mm-hmm. at least give it a hearing and a serious hearing to, so that you can understand the role that Mary plays in the life of the Christian. Uh, for me, I, actually, I, I, for myself, I kept Mary kind of at an emotional distance for actually quite for many years, uh, just because I I was I, I did have some sympathies towards uh, kind of some of the Protestant objections, uh, but there was a moment in prayer a few years ago. Um, I don't remember how many years, uh, but I remember there was a moment in prayer where I had this vision of Jesus, or I had this image of Jesus that came to me, mm-hmm. and it was in relationship to Mary, and there was this notion of Jesus like this is my mother. Why don't you love her? Wow. Hmm. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. I'd actually, yeah. and I came across, I've come across multiple things of uh, people who have kept, who have kind of uh, disparaged Mary. But I, uh, but I had this image that came to me, but also it, it struck a chord within my own heart. It was like, is love restrictive? Like, can mm. I only have room in my heart for God? Yeah. Or is love expansive? And like, why can't I make room in my heart? And if, if Jesus loves, 
And Jesus, it's not just between me and God, but it's Jesus and everyone that Jesus loves, Jesus wants me to love. And that's why, like, for me to love Mary is not for me to restrict, like, this corner of my heart's for Mary, and this corner yeah. of my heart's for Jesus. Yeah. This one's for the Holy Spirit, and this one's for God the Father, and this somewhere there is my brother, and there's my sister. Yeah. No, like, love expands the heart, and there's enough room, if we allow Christ into our hearts, to expand and to grow our hearts and our love for the saints, and especially for Mary, who can teach us a lot. Like, and that's, that's the thing is like love expands the heart. Christ's love expands the heart. And there's room for the communion of saints and for Mary to participate within that. And that's why we need the saints because I can't be Jesus. Right. So I'd say that the only thing I'd say is like, just to ponder and to bring it into prayer, like Jesus, are you inviting me into loving your mother? Wow, that's great. Do yeah. you want me to love your mother the way that you loved your mother? Yeah. Yeah. That, that, that yeah, dovetails that. perfectly into the one recommendation I would have. It's a simple prayer. It's a powerful prayer, though, is Mary. Again, if we leave Mary's with the Lord and, and yeah. you know, we can pray for one another. Mary, help me to love Jesus like you love him. Mm-hmm. And Jesus, help me to love Mary like you love her. Yeah. Just that interchange of, of that relationship of love that we're invited into. So uh, just a simple prayer. Mary, help me to love Jesus like you love him. Jesus, help me to love Mary like you love her. And I think yeah. if you start there, then then God's going to draw you deeper into a relationship with Jesus. And you're, you'll maybe be surprised to see that Mary is always there. And she's always saying those words, those beautiful words, do whatever he tells you. Yeah. Awesome. That's good stuff, guys. Well, well thank you so much, um, Father Doug, Father Tom, uh, for for joining with us. Just this great conversation about Mary, uh, about our relationship with Mary as Christians, as followers of Jesus, how each of us can develop in, in that relationship too. Thank you for watching, for tuning in, for supporting us on Patreon, for liking and sharing and subscribing, and for helping us to get these messages out there. Uh, we look forward to seeing you next time here on Catholic in America. Mm-hmm.